This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. this morning i'm out and about in the wolds of lincolnshire just for a, a little look down the path that's where we're going to be heading you're going to be on that walk with me today uh, i'm not heading down there at the moment because i've got a dog who wants to go and defecate in a inaccessible part of the walk uh, so there we go um so yesterday was deadline day it was the most stress-free deadline day i've ever had uh, there was no refreshing of um browsers I didn't think that there would be any business whatsoever. There'd been no mutterings coming from the club. You usually kind of kind of know I finished work at the usual time. I actually finished a bit later because I watched that joke of a prime minister uh, blustering his way through his lies for an hour in the afternoon. But that's the beauty of of, uh, of flexible working. But so, yeah, I did. A, I just finished at what, what would normally be a, what would be considered a normal time. Chilled out all evening. Brilliant stuff. Um no stress whatsoever. And I know that in previous years, we've kind of done business on the day and we've always said you don't want to do things too early because you might miss out on something on deadline day. But I think the situation that we were in going into this transfer window dictated that we had to do business early. There could be no risk um, missing out on Morgan Whitaker in the summer and indeed other players that we may or may not have missed out on. You know, Obviously, Theo Corbineau is one who's, who's been mentioned um, missing out on those sorts of players severely impacted us. And we're in the position we're in now, partly because of that, not solely because of that. Injuries have played their part. We've had some bad luck. And, and to be fair, you know, some poor performances as well. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's it's not, you know, we're not 
poor us, poor us, blame culture kind of thing. So, but that was certainly an overriding factor. And I think that we would have six, eight more points on the board had we managed to sign the players we wanted to in the summer. So that meant this window was critical. And let's face it, all of us coming into this window, everybody who's joining us now, and that's 27 people, thank you very much. And if you're watching later on or listening on Podbean or something like that, you know, all of us knew how crucial this window was. You had to see early business. We had to see consistent numbers of attackers coming in to make sure that when we went into games and we had Tom Hopper out and maybe a another striker out, we weren't then thinking, who are we going to play up front? I won't ever forget uh, going to Oxford and, and kind of not playing with a single striker. You know, it backfired. Kudos to Michael for trying it. You know, he had to try what he, well, something. He had to try anything at all. It didn't work. It was a it was a moment of the season that felt like a particular low. Where do we go from here? Kind of thing. So we had to see attackers come in. There were some other issues to be addressed as well. Um, and so deadline day passed. I've called this video deadline day. It's not deadline day. Obviously, it's the day after. It's a lovely fresh day. There was no stress whatsoever. But part of that's because of the early business. Was it the perfect window that people say? going to be interesting i want to have a i want to pick up on a couple of points because i do think we made some very strong acquisitions i think some of the players who didn't go out perhaps um you know have been uh, were, were a surprise as well i think going into january there's probably a strong thought that cohen bramwell might go out he's been really strong i think over the past couple of weeks he's come on since the mistake at cheltenham where he headed the ball back across goal for them to score um, I think he's been he's, he's putting some good performances. We know he's quick. You know, his, his ability needs working on. Maybe his technique needs working on his decision-making. But he is quick. He is willing. He always gives you 100%. And that can't be said of every single player um, that have ever come through the doors at Sinsel Bank. So fair play to him. I think Max Sanders staying is important as well, that we're all desperate to see more of Max, aren't we? And I think in a team where... You know, at times we were four-two-four at the weekend. You know, we went for it against Burton, and it's easy to criticise a manager when he tries something and it doesn't work. And you know, we're saying, "Well, the midfield were overrun and that sort of thing." Um, yeah, I, I think, and I'm a layman, um, but I think Saturday called for two kind of quite stronger midfielders. I, I think Fiorini is more of an eight than a than a four. Um, I think Max Sanders is more of a four than an eight, and I think that a, a McGrandall Sanders pairing would have been better um, but we don't work with these players every day so it's opinion we can't say for definite that is the better pairing we don't know you know just as fans you get these certain players I think that sometimes they kind of you know they resonate with you and they don't with the manager and you wonder why and I, I remember back you know obviously the Sanders was Theo Archibald as well but I remember going back as far as the likes of and I'm, I'm sure at my age here but Paul um, Paul Dobson Keith Scott, you know, players who didn't always get a run out, but you, you thought that they should and you thought that they should do better and you wonder why their career never really took off. And they uh, do let me know, by the way, in the comments if the wind gets too much because uh, it's really, really windy out here. I'm hoping that the microphone is kind of hidden in my hand. So I'm hoping there shouldn't be a problem with the wind. But if there is, let me know in the comments. We'll cut this short. I won't put it on Podbean, that sort of stuff. So on to the transfer business. So Let's start at the back and work forwards. I think that that's probably going to be important. Um, and we start with uh, a signing that I bet if I was to ask you to list all of the signings that we made in the transfer window, this would be the last one that you remember. And it's the goalkeeper, Jordan Wright, coming from Nottingham Forest. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really hard to judge. 
the fact is we needed to sign a goalkeeper because we wanted Sam Long to go out on loan. Um, Sam Long has subsequently gone out on loan and we've got a player in who is going to kind of sit on the bench and, and hopefully we can develop. I get the feeling with this boy that he's not another Charlie Andrew, the guy that came in from Hull where you know he's going to come sit on the bench for six months or sit on the bench for a year and then gone and that's it, end of story. Um, I get the impression that he is somebody that we would like to see pushing for a first-team place. Who knows, maybe next year we won't have a lone goalkeeper. What I will say is that the lone goalkeepers have really, really well for the past couple of years. And going into last season, I would have argued till I was blue in the face that you should not have a young lone goalkeeper, that they were a reliability. I'm still scarred by Elliot Parrish, Trevor Carson did very well. Scarlet by Parish. I think Townsend didn't do too bad when he came in, but I didn't think it was a good uh, route to go down. I do now. I think it's also a good route to go down to have a keeper or two of your own up your sleeve as well. So it's a decent sign. I think at the back, I don't think we would have brought anybody in at the back at all had Lewis Monsman not been injured. I, I get the impression that the club have assessed what they need and they've looked a little bit in the future as well. So we could have gone to a Premier League club and gone, hey, Lenders, you're you know, exciting young defender. Then he could have come in and struggled for games. A la Rob Dickey, a la Scott Morton. You know, two defenders who have gone on to play now regular championship football who couldn't find their way into the Lincoln City side at the time because we kind of had that, that, that settled defence. We had senior players that we to keep happy. I think some people may criticise it, say we should have signed a central defender. Others, had we signed a young central defender and played him, would then have been going, well, why have we got our own central defenders? So, yeah, it's it's one of those lose-lose situations, isn't it? And some people like just to be critical about football, so whatever we would have done, it would have been easy to criticise. Um, in the signing from Coffey, we've brought in cover in a position where we already have you know, players who can play there in TJ Iowa and Regan Paul. Ted Bishop has been doing very well there for a um, for an attacking midfielder. Yeah, I actually think again since Cheltenham, since he scored his brace, I think he's done very, very well. Uh, I think he's, a, he's he's put himself about nicely at fullback when that's clearly not his best position. But again, I think long term Ted Bishop plays as an eight for us. With I'd like to see you know with a, with a Sanders and. Or, or, or AN or the kind of holding, but that's 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 his role. So we need to move away from playing him at right back. Um, and and Norton Coffey's coming more, I think, as cover. You know, if the injury situation is easy as, as people think it, it seems to be, by next week or the week after, we can have Joe Holt, have Jackson back, TJ over can play central centre half. Regan Paul has been an absolute revelation. To bring in another centre half would have been beyond wasteful in terms of a loan position and in terms, I think, of finances. So it didn't entirely surprise me. It did surprise me that we went down the fullback option, um, but I can you can understand why, because TJ and Regan Paul could be classed as centre-backs. TJ arrived as a centre-back and we more, you know, put him at right-back this season. Regan obviously came as a well, he came as a right-back. He played right centre-back for MK Dons of a three and, and he's been absolutely superb. He would be a brave manager who, when Walsh and Jackson are fit, drops Regan Paul uh, back even even back into right back. You know, I, th- I think he would be a, a brave manager. I'd like to see TJ develop there now. But there we go. So that's that. Uh, into the midfield. Well, again, 
I think this is the one that baffles me a little bit because if I'm honest, I think at times our midfield has been overrun. I think it's easy to swamp us, particularly um, on Saturday when yeah, okay, it was a three with Liam Cullen. I get that, but effectively you're, you've got a two-man midfield there, which is, which is kind of how it manifested. And, and we looked swamped. Conor McGrandles has been in superb form, by the way, since Christmas. Um, I wonder if he's like one of those cars that you need to wind up, you know, at the beginning of the season. He's not quite there. He's not quite there. And then you give him a little wind up or a push down a hill and poof, off he goes because he did it last year. If so, great news because it means that we've got Conor McGrandles on hot form to the end of the season. But I, I did expect to see another central midfielder in. But when you consider the fact that we have Connor, Liam Bridcock coming back, Liam Fier- Lewis Fiorini to fit in there. Chris Maguire, I think, is going to be considered as a midfielder as much, you know, an attacking midfielder as much as a forward when he's back and fit. You've got Lars Sorensen, who has kind of, I think, he's been taken out of the firing line a little bit. He was coming in for some criticism, not entirely justified criticism, dare I say. But criticism. So I can understand why, in terms of numbers, we didn't add to the midfield. Uh, my hope is Liam Bridcut becomes fit, gets fit again. Massive Liam Bridcut fan, always have been, always will be. Um, the influence that he has around the ground is just as important, I think, uh, as the, the influence he has on the field. I think if you get 20, 25 games out of Liam Bridcut, it sounds like it's not enough. I think for what he does around the whole of the club, probably sufficient. And if you want, if you are carrying, in inverted commas, one player who doesn't complete a, a full season, may it be somebody who's been at Chelsea, Sunderland, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, Brighton, play Premier League football, maybe somebody like that, ideally. So that's Liam, that's the midfield. And then attack, look, five weeks ago, we were approaching the deadline day. We are approaching the window, rather, opening. And... We were debating whether we play Dan and Lundaloo, who you know, he's not a bad footballer, but wasn't a good footballer for us. Or Freddie Draper, you know, exciting young talent, probably three, two or three years away from regular League One football, let's say maybe two years tops. And when Freddie was getting the nod and, and you know, it was almost like trying to clean your teeth with an electric toothbrush without putting the head on it, wasn't it? You know, everything seemed to be working. When you put it into your mouth, all you got was, you know, disaster. I think that certainly in some games that I remember, and I'm talking Hartlepool, I'm talking um, Accrington particularly, we went into those games and, you know, I don't think we played particularly badly in those games in terms of the approach play. But, you know, you, your toothbrush can buzz away all at once. But if you don't have a head on it or if you don't have an attack in your team, you ain't going to get the desired results. So it was imperative. It was beyond imperative that we brought some forwards. And the transfer policy around forwards, in my opinion, has been very much like my policy when I'm asked to nip to the shop and just get some nibbles for the evening. Phil will say to me, we're going to watch a film. I'll go to the shop. I'll just pick up some nibbles. And I think, right, well, we haven't got any nibbles at home. And I get to the shop. It's like, does she want chocolate or nuts? I'll get both. And then I see some crisps. And then there's something else on offer. And the next thing you know, I've got like half a tuck shop in my basket. And I get back and she goes, what on earth do we want all those nibbles for? And I kind of think, well, you wanted nibbles. We're all right for nibbles now, aren't we? That's Michael and Jez, this transfer window. They've gone in the shop. They've gone, what do we want? We want a goal scorer. That's John Marquis, right? John Marquis. 
what an exciting young loan player who's who's kind of quite quite valued by his club. Well, there's Liam Cullen and Morgan Whitaker. Yep. Uh, ah, so we also need somebody that we can develop. And we've got Freddie Draper, but you know, non-league talent, somebody who might bring us some money. So I've identified Ben House and uh, Charlie Kendall. Yep. And, and do you know what I mean? They've kind of come away with this basket going, yeah, look at all of this. It's going to be a great night. So I think that's positive. I think what you have to do is temper that expectation a little bit. Firstly, yeah, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't point out that at times in the past I have said you can have too many forwards. I've looked at Ipswich when they signed Joe Piggott and they'd already got James Norwood and they signed Macaulay Bond and they brought in Louis Barry and they, and you just kind of think you can't play them all at once. So that's something to bear in mind. And there was almost a manifestation of that on Saturday, wasn't there? As if like, well, we've got John Marcus, he's going to play. We need to play Liam Cullen. Let's play him as the eight. I didn't think he had a bad game. Some people thought that he drifted in and out of it. Um, and certainly Swansea fans have said he is more of a nine. He kind of comes in and out of games, but he'll be there picking picking up the chances. So for me, Cullen and Marquis are very similar players. It's going to be interesting to see if we persevere by playing them both, particularly when we go away from home um, and we need to have a little bit more control in the midfield. However, look, marquee signing is John Marquis. There ain't no doubt about that. And I didn't think that that would be something uh, that yeah, I would be saying after Morgan Whitaker came in. Two goals in two games. Um, does what Tom Hopper did a lot. You know, he's won some defensive headers already. Works very, very hard. Uh, I think he's going to fit in with our style quite nicely. Six months of John Marquis. It wouldn't surprise me if we don't see him get towards the 10-goal mark by the end of the season. He's got February, March, April. That's three months. He only needs to score two goals a month for the next next couple of months and he's on to eight already so excited to see what Marquis does I think he's our start in number nine I think if you have to bring somebody on it would be Cullen not Marquis I think Michael will try and play both Uh, I quite like Cullen I quite like Liam Cullen Um, there's something about the lad he's yeah he had a good debut um, should have scored put good shift in at Plymouth I didn't think he played too badly on Saturday even though we got beat I think he's a good sign in uh, I do wonder if the way that Swansea are talking, if he might be a player that at some point in the future will be available on a permanent. I don't know if that was the case. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too distraught if we signed him. I like the look of him already. Morgan Whitaker, if I'm honest, through this deadline, through this window, I would like to have seen two Morgan Whitakers come in. By that, I mean two players who want to kind of get out onto the touchline, who want to beat players, who want to drop a shoulder. I know we have Scully out on one flank. I know we have a Delican on the bench. I know Chris Maguire is a, is a winger. But I think natural pace, flair and ability, Morgan Whitaker is one of a kind in our squad at the moment. And I think a Delican could, should be. I just think a Delican's a confidence player playing without confidence. So um, we shall see. I'm not going down there. Dom wants to walk down. So I would like to have seen another Morgan Whitaker come in. On the flip side... Particularly impressed with him on Saturday. I thought that at times, this isn't the case. I thought that he looked disinterested. Um, I thought he didn't run for some balls he could have done. I thought he could close that keeper down more. It might be a tactic. It's easy for us to say he's not doing that. You don't know what instructions he's being given. You know, his debut against Oxford, superb. Shepherd away at Sunderland, superb. Um, or very good, let's say. Downgrade that from superb to very good. I think he's a player that's still going to be really important to us in terms of attacking prowess. Then you look at the other two boys. Ben House has come in, obviously, to um, 
going to come off the bench. As, you know, he was described as a project striker. For me, a project striker doesn't make his debut the day or the week after he signs if he isn't a project with potential rather than just a let's see what happens here. Hard to really say anything about him. I mean, you know, it's easy for fans to look and say, oh, I'm too good on league strikers, but we don't know. You don't know that. They're both very highly rated by their team. Ben House is described as easily as a worker. He puts a shift in. You know, his goals to games ratio wasn't huge, but in the modern game, strikers don't need a big goals to game ratio if they're they're impacting the team. And you only need to look at Tom Hopper for that, I think, don't you? You know, Tom Hopper's goals to games ratio, what, one in three, one in four last season? Not outstanding. Take Tom out the side. You see exactly what you miss. And we've seen that in the first half of this season. So, you, know, you should never judge a striker purely on his goals. Um, yeah, yeah, they get to 28, 29, and they've scored 15 goals in 400 games or whatever. Yeah, you, you know, you can you can question it a little bit. I mean, as a striker, you've got to be able to put the ball in the net, even if your you know, your fundamental attributes are based more around creating for everybody else. It takes me back. I'm sure I've said this before. To when I was a striker, and I use that word in inverted commas um, and, and very liberally of course uh, for rugby under 13s and you know I couldn't hit the proverbial barn door with a tractor um, I, I was that bad I'd scored one goal all season and my dad said to me you know, he's from training and he sent me down to rugby pitch um, with, a, with a guy called John Skepper who was our trainer at the time and the first thing John said to me he goes Gary is a striker all about scoring goals you can create goals for people, it'll be just as important. Uh, so I took that on board. Charlie, not that way. Wait! Deer over in the field. I don't know if you can see them. Actually. You see over in the field there? Three big deer running away. Anyway, um, he said to Gary, if you can create goals, you'll be a good striker. So I went back into the rugby under 13 team. Didn't create any goals because I was shit. But it wasn't the point. I always took that on board. I always kind of thought, as a striker, you were just there to score goals. And some strikers are. Some strikers do nothing other than score goals. Gary Lineker was a classic example. Some strikers do everything and are judged on their goal scoring rate. I think Tom Hopper's one of those. Ben House could be. That's not saying he won't score. I think then you look at Charlie Kendall. Came out of the blue, didn't he? You know, everyone knew about Ben House. We'd all seen the songs beforehand. Clive, I think, had announced it on Vitals. Big, big news. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sat there looking at my computer, just finishing up some work, and uh, I, I get a ping through, Charlie Kendall, you know, you've got 10 minutes to write about him, write about him, I need to research him, never heard of the boy, absolute honest truth, not going to pretend I'm some sort of football demigod when it comes to knowledge, never heard of him, so I researched him, I like what I saw, like what I saw in terms of attitude, I'm going to leave QPR, drop into non-league and play, because if I play, I can prove myself, like what I hear from the Eastbourne fans about he watches these staff, he watches videos after games. I like I like what I read. I like what I read about Charlie Kendall. I like the fact he's gone back to Eastbourne. So we're not loading up with players that are never gonna play. He's gone back to play senior football because he's developing well there. You know, we talk very much about pathways in this football club. I think we found one for Charlie Kendall. The wind here is awful. I hope you can still hear me okay. I'm gonna have to finish in a minute because I've got to turn around and go back. Uh, so that's really our transfer business. I don't think I've missed anybody out. If I have, my sincere apologies. I think the outgoings, I mean, Remy, best of luck. Loved Remy as a person. 
never never really looked like he was going to affect the team at League One level. I mean, I was delighted that he got his goal against Burton. The day we beat him 5-1, just so he could be safe for all his fight, for all the setbacks that he's had, that he played League One football and scored goals one, one in the cup. Um, I think he will do well at the level he's at. It would surprise me greatly if we were to see him back in the Football League at any point. But he's a boy that will find an alternative career in training and, and, and self-help and that sort of thing. So best of luck to Remy. <laughs> I think the two lone boys going out, Sam Long and Sean Rowan. For Sam Long, you know, you say things about it's good to kind of get out from under your mother's uh, apron, don't they? That's a terminology. Well, Sam's done that anyway when he's moved up here. So, you know, shuffling around for away from home is, is nothing new to him. Um, I think he'll do very well. I think he's a very good goalkeeper. I think all we're really waiting for is for that late growth spurt. Um, just looks a little bit small in the goal at the moment. Yeah, I think another inch or two um, would certainly help him. Reminds me quite a lot of Alan Marriott in that respect. A keeper that could have done with an extra couple of inches high, but in terms of ability, it was all there. So hopefully he has a similar career for Lincoln that Alan Marriott did. And as for Sean Rowan, I don't know, maybe you know, maybe it's a chance for him to go back home and just kind of readjust a little bit. Maybe it is a, a, a great loan spell for him. He's, he's a player who we were linked, was linked with Chelsea, linked with Southampton. It just hasn't happened. He's had his injuries. It's been a tough time for Sean. I'm hoping that this gives him the run of games that he needs to you know, try to come back in and affect Lincoln City and his own career. Because, you know, if you're 18, 19 years old and you've been off and trained with Southampton and Chelsea and then you can't get back in your club team and, you know, all that high, all that promise, all that excitement suddenly dashed. And you kind of got a taste of reality with your injuries and it's hard, I think, for a young man to take. And it's easy for us to, to comment on how they go off the boil or how this is the case and that's the case. But you can't get in these young players' heads. You can't get in any players' heads. But there's injuries. Just one minute. Charlie, come on, boy. Go back. This is one of those beautiful parts. You see that? It's kind of like in the background there. So that's, the, yeah, they're the outgoings. I think there was some surprise Max Melbourne didn't go out on loan, especially as he didn't make a match day squad. Again, I think that we know what's going to happen with Max. He probably knows what's going to happen. I think if he, if he sticks around the squad, he might get... Five minutes here, ten minutes there. He's very much a fail-safe. And I think that shows a slight change in, uh, in, in attitude from Michael. Because usually if we've got players who are not playing, who are on the periphery, I think that you tend to find them going out on loan. Let's get minutes. Let's create that pathway for them. And I think in this instance, we've put the needs of the football club over the needs of the player. And I don't think that's always been the case. For instance, in the summer, loaning out the Archibald, we clearly then went into the season light on the left. Bit of a bit of a gap, but it was a case of the players' needs being very much seemingly first and foremost. It's one of the reasons why we attract players because you know, we're a very player-centric club. I think Theo Archibald not being recalled was another kind of talking point of the transfer window. Um, I, I think I said beforehand it didn't entirely surprise me. Certainly not for those of us who were on the uh, the, the talk with Jess George. Which was um, which was very very entertaining by the way. Those of us that were on that, there was there was a a certain tone to his voice that suggested that you know Theo was better where he was. He's playing regular football. He is 
contract into the club for next season as well. So, you know, he hasn't gone to Leeds or with a, uh, with a with a handshake and a door closed. The likelihood, in my opinion, is that Theo comes back in the summer and we look to sell him. You know, even if it's a twenty-five, thirty thousand pound sale, it's it's more than we paid for him, as I understand it. I think, don't even think it was a fee. I think Macclesfield released him, didn't they? So. No, it's profit. Um, it's not the sort of profit that you think of when you're a team like us. In you know, Mateo Ed and Free plays loads of games, does really well, moves on. That that kind of is what people term as rather cringingly, I think, and I do it as well. Uh, the model, um, but I think that there's also the 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 other side of the model, so to speak. The likes of Zach Elbazetti come in, don't really do a huge amount at first team level, but then move on for a nominal fee. Um, and I think you saw that in the, uh, you know, in the in the various figures that were released in the accounts as well. Right, let's see if in this sunshine I can see any of these comments from you wonderful people. Uh, not as many today at all. People obviously working. Uh, Will Alfred says, "What a stress-free day." Although I was bored with the lack of excitement. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have been bored with the lack of excitement than disappointed at midnight after having written two articles about Morgan Whitaker. James Atkin, how are you doing, my man? Morning. James told me on Saturday um, that he looks forward to the dog walks because it's one of the few social interactions he gets with people. So I hope you're well uh, there. Sam, evening from New Zealand. Evening, uh, Sam and family. I trust you are all well. Mr. Keneally thought he was the referee on Saturday for a mile. Uh, nice short-sightedness. Uh, morning, pal. Hope you're well apart from the weirdo scissors business. Not having that. That's your comment gone. That's it. You're off. You're cast out. Steve Barton said the sound was good. Thank you, Steve. Did worry about it a little bit because it's hugely windy up here. Uh, Mr. Green. Morning, guys. Great performance and win at Plymouth. But that really was a bit of a pill to swallow on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's like Gav says, who sits behind me, he's sick of watching Lincoln lose. And I never get sick of watching Lincoln. And if you're losing games and crap and all that sort of stuff, sorry, the sun's out in the wrong place, you can kind of almost become numb to it, don't you? Do you know what I mean? You almost become like the, there was a Gillingham fan on Saturday, just kind of put, you know, not even that upset. I was 7 2 at home. Just come to accept it. That's what happens. That's Gillingham Football Club. And we haven't had that, have we? We've gone into games with expectation. Didn't speak to anybody before the game on Saturday who said, I think we'll lose today. I said I thought it would be tough. I said on the podcast last week I thought we'd win. But I didn't think that we'd get beat. Um, and I think that we're coming away on 90 minutes. And people say, oh, we were shit, we were this, we were that. That's anger at the defeat. Yeah, you win that game 1-0, nobody comes away saying it. We didn't play any worse in that game than we did when we beat Fleetwood 2-1 at the beginning of the season, in my opinion. You know, victories can cloud your judgment. The classic examples there are Portsmouth. You know, we were shit. Everybody said we were shit. We knew we were shit. Problem solved. That was that. Whereas We lacked that killer edge up top. Doncaster away, nil nil. Everyone said we were crap. Killer edge, deception. David Toplin, morning, morning friend. Uh, Mr. Keneally says he's had two kicks in the bollocks. Uh, I can't actually see that for some reason. But he, Ben is now, I don't know, something about Ben and the podcast. 
can't read it. Uh, sorry, Chris. Genuinely can't. I've got some on the screen. Uh, I've, I've somehow managed to select something on my screen. So it's offering me the option to copy, cut, paste. Uh, and I haven't been able to get it off while I've been recording. Look, that's the dog walk. Um, thank you, everybody, as always, for coming on it. Uh, look, if you are catching this uh, secondhand, uh, if you miss the start of them because Facebook doesn't let you know I'm going live, anything like that, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Apparently, that's a great way to make sure that you don't miss any of the dog walks. I am putting them now on the Podbean um, account, so you should be able to get the dog walks within a couple of hours the same way that you get your podcasts. You'll be able to tell the difference because it's a different theme tune uh, and it's just me. So they're not obviously as popular as the podcast. I wouldn't expect them to be, um, but really impressed with kind of 300 odd people um, who listen into these afterwards. So if that's you, thank you very much. Uh, I think that's pretty much about it. I've got a couple of couple more comments. I can't read that. Sorry, Mark. It looks cold up there. There we go. Disappointing Saturday, really confident before the match. Yeah, a lot of people were, mate. A lot of people were. Um, yeah, I felt, I didn't feel the apprehension. Uh, and Dave Phillips, how are you doing, Dave? Top, top electrician, so I'm told. Nice one as always. Good man. Nice to have you on board. Thank you very much. Uh, right, so that's me, done and dusted. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe to YouTube, all that sort of jazz. And hopefully, um, I'll be back on probably Monday or Tuesday analyzing a fine win away at MK Dons. Take care and good morning. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.